listening to Oliver Dixon on the station of the year 11 o'clock 11 minutes my apologies 11 minutes after 10 o'clock you're listening to night talk my name is Oliver Dixon thank you so much for your time this evening I really do appreciate it crazy story in the Sunday Times this this this, this past weekend and and honestly if you didn't have an opportunity to read it please go on to their website it's there it's behind a paywall but you will be able to read it it is a critically important story taking place at the uh, Unemployment Insurance Fund. What the hell is going on? The journalist who uh, filed this report uh, and is following closely on this is Sabelo Skiti of the Sunday Times who joins us now. Sabelo, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome to Night Talk. Good evening. Good evening, Oliver. And thank you for having me. Good evening to all your listeners as well. Yeah. Sabelo, what's going on at the UIF? Hey, uh, Oliver, I think we'd probably need the whole night to discuss it. But I think in a nutshell, um, we've come across what we consider to be a truly, truly worrying trend. Um, What we believe to be incredible waste of state resources, um, all in attempts to create um, work opportunities. Um, Remember, these are not jobs, but these are work opportunities. Um, if you're familiar with the EPIC, the old expanded public works program, yeah. um, it's something similar to that. Short-term work, the intention really is to build skill um, and to make these, uh, you know, the learners or the participants in this program um, ready for the workforce, you know. Um, but what we've seen is that uh, billions and billions of rands are spent each year um, on this endeavor. But there doesn't seem to be any real sort of, um, you know, value for money, um, at least in some of the projects that we've seen. Um, If you'll allow me, I'll give you one example. Um, I think we mentioned it in the article. Um, In KZN, um, I think the UIF gave a a, a company 200 200 million, just a little bit above 200 million, um, for them to go and train... Um, I believe it was about 16,000 people in one district in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, and these guys' job was to go and cook at schools as part of the school nutrition program. So that very, very big amount that I mentioned to you yeah. did not buy any material that these schools, these schools had their own infrastructure. These were people who were literally taken through that program, worked at these schools for a short period. Um, and, you know, under the guise of them being taught how to cook under school nutrition. If I were to give you an example, it would be how to boil spinach, for instance, um, how to store food, uh, you know, how to prepare these, you know, and these are basic meals, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what era you were to school and you know i will remember during our time it was peanut butter and 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 some you know funny cool drink um so i mean this is not you know your it's not by any means you know fine dining um it's it's basic cooking um that was spent to the tune uh you know for that amount in another instance i think so young people young young people were taught to make sandwiches and it costs taxpayers 200 million well, I mean, look, the whole feeding scheme thing has evolved now. So I believe that they do cook. So you would have like, you know, a meal where there's sometimes a piece of meat, some gravy, some starch, and then um, some vegetables. Uh, but I mean, like I said, my whole point is that um, it's not like you're going to, you know, the Pru Leaf Academy. 
So, so how was that money spent, uh, uh, Sabelo? It wasn't spent on ingredients for the food. It certainly wasn't spent on kitchen equipment. What then was it spent on? It's the training. It's the training. Um, and I mean, it's very hard. And this is part of the other problem um, with this UIF program. Their own documents um, internally state that one of the major challenges is that it's very hard for them to have a learner tracking system. You know, mm. so if you, for instance, are given funds, let's say you want to, you know, train guys to do landscaping, um, there's not going to be anyone who's following up to ensure that, you know, indeed these people are showing up on a daily basis. They are going out, they are learning um, something that could be a skill that could, you know, place them ahead of the line in, in, in their endeavors to seek employment. So it's, 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 it's very loose. And I think this is part of the reason why we felt that uh, we need to stick with the story is that there seems to be a very sort of loose understanding, number one, of what constitutes this training. Secondly, um, there doesn't seem to be like a set criteria, at least in the way that it's being um, yeah. applied you know, um, that actually uh, will give you an end result. As a result, some of these projects are now currently in litigation um, where the let's service about providers of, are feeling like... Yeah, let's speak about yes. one project that is in litigation or at least one uh, transaction that's seemingly in litigation. Talk to us and tell us the story of a very, seemingly very interesting character, Mtunzi Mdwaba. Yes, yes, uh, he indeed is an interesting character. Um, I would love to have told you that, you know, we have had many conversations about his project. Unfortunately, he's only limited me to one or two conversations mm. um, since we started interacting. This is since December. Um, he has chosen to not speak to me. He believes that I'm biased. Um, I have a suspicion that he just doesn't like the sort of questions that I'm asking <laughs> him. Um, and, you know, the, the, the nub of, you know, the issue um, with the Tuja um, Holdings or Tuja Capital's proposal is that firstly, no one in the UIF... What, what is the proposal? The, the, Tell us what the proposal was. Yeah. So the proposal is this grand idea um, that Musam Dwaba has um, where he gets 5 billion rand uh, from the UIF. With this 5 billion rand, he is going to create 700,000 jobs. So part of this 5 billion he is going to use to invest um, in companies. I think he had identified a bank, he had identified an insurance firm. Uh, there's two radio stations that he wanted to buy. Um, I think he wanted to get into the cannabis business down in the Eastern Cape. So there's a number of initiatives. Um, I think there's a resort in KZN as well. There's a number of initiatives that he actually wants to invest in. And then he says that through that investment of his, he'll be able to turn these uh, businesses, some of which are actually struggling and are not even operating. He's going to turn them around and then turn them into these uh, you know, job creation uh, megalatons, you know, yeah. that are going to just employ all of the youth in these areas. Um, part of this money as well, he wants to be given so that he can have a fund um, that gives grants to entrepreneurs, um, you know, to allow them to actually... Uh, <clears throat> Pardon me, to allow them to actually grow their businesses. Another part of it was going to be loans. Mm. So my main issue with it, I mean, just listening to it as a concept, the, the, the Department of Labor has another entity under it, which is called Productivity SA, where Mtunzim Dwaba was chairman. Mm. 
Productivity SA, in a nutshell, is you know an entity that businesses can approach um, via the CCMA when you are in trouble. Yep. You know, either you are in business rescue or, you know, you've run into problems and you can no longer save this business. They come in, they've got experts inside there or they bring you external experts that will help you turn your business around. So you save those jobs. Um, and then, so it's you like know, business rescue, but outside of the... So it's like business rescue, yes. but outside of a court mandate. Yes, completely. Yes. Um, so, so, so that's partly what Tujo also wants to propose with that um, investment that they want to make in some of these businesses yeah. that are struggling. Um, for me, it was immediately like, but this thing is in conflict with where uh, Mr. Mtuaba is chairman of. Yeah. Um, then beyond that, um, no one in the department actually knows how this proposal landed up. You know, the officials that work under labor activation program, where all of these programs are contained, um, they got the proposal from the office of the commissioner. Uh, but there's no but there's no clarity as to whether this thing was sent via, you know, what email address yeah. or if it was a response to a, an advert. But what we do know is that the year that they say that, that this proposal was submitted, there was no advert um, mm. that was issued by the UIF so for it was proposals an unsolicited bid for this funding. Yes, yeah, so effectively it was an unsolicited bid, but it was also sent to the to the wrong post box, if you'll allow me to say that. <laughs> um, but it did end up, you know, with the correct people. Now you can take that and then maybe, you know, mix it with the fact that Musa Mtwaba has admitted publicly that he is friends with the Director General. Mm, mm. Um, that he knows the UIF commissioner. And then you can maybe, you know, make your own um, guess as to how maybe this proposal then found itself in there. Um, so why is this 5 that, billion rand project now in court? What brought it there? Well, uh, we listened to the minister. I was actually at his press conference last week. Uh, the minister actually raised an issue that even I had not been aware of. So if you remember, we wrote the story in December. Um, that basically exposed this intention to do this. The minister then suspended it early January. And then when the DG was on leave, this is Toby Lamati who has since resigned. Yeah. There was another fellow who was acting. I think it's Avocate Iawa from the UIF. Um, he then writes a letter to Tuja and he basically informs them that, listen, uh, because some of um, what you so, guys so, so, were proposing... So- so it was the minister that took the initiative to get this to go to court. Uh, it, it, before you answer this, Abel, I just want us to take a break. We'll yeah. continue on the other side of this. Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. 24 minutes after 10 p.m., you're listening to Night Talk. I'm in conversation with investigative journalist Sabelo Skiti of the Sunday Times, uh, combing through the what seems to be a labyrinth of corruption at the UIF pertaining to job creation projects and money spent therein. Uh, before we went to that break, Sabila, we were talking about how uh, Mtundra's, uh, um, his 5 billion rand project ended up in court, right? Minister yes. uh, uh, Minister Tulas Nlesi comes in and realizes this project exists and then instructs the DG uh, to withdraw this project or put this, put this project on hold. What was the exact instruction there? So the exact instruction was that the project must be put on hold um, pending a forensic investigation. Uh, but 
critically, what now leads them to go to court is their discovery that in actual fact, for them to have been able to enter into the transaction, because it involved parts of them funding the state, basically funding and buying in, into assets, um, they needed the express permission of, of the Minister of, 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 of Labor as the executive authority over the UIF. And then they also needed the permission of National Treasury. Um, if you remember, um, I keep making the example of when the Gupta family wanted to buy a portion of Danel that had won a contract in India through VR Laser. Yeah. Eventually, Pravin Kodan, who was Minister of Finance, then took them to court um, you know, and said, this transaction can't possibly go through because Section 54 of the PFMA, this is the Public Finance Management Act, actually requires that National Treasury um, be the ones that give you permission before you can either acquire or sell any state asset. Yeah. Um, so this is the reason now that the minister is using to actually go to court. He's now saying that because um, this transaction didn't weren't, wasn't signed off by the right individuals um, or the people that are the delegated authority, it therefore becomes unlawful and the, the court should now agree with them and rubber stamp that. Yeah. And so this project is then put on hold and um, uh, the fellow becomes quite uh, <laughs> rancorous and recalcitrant and is now on a media parade, um, you know, airing out his frustrations with Tulas, uh, Tulas Nlesi and, and that ongoing uh, litigation. But then let's get to the more contemporary issue. There is a there's a committee within the UIF called the LAP. They had a meeting uh, at a hotel in in Rosebank and something horribly went wrong at that meeting. But what was that meeting about? Tell us about that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is now where we begin to say, actually, Tuja is an example of rot that already set in. Um, That meeting basically was in response to pressure that these officials had been put under. So under the labor activation program for um, projects to be approved beyond the 2.8 billion rand that was budgeted at the beginning. So just for context, the the labor activation project is an entity of the UIF. It is a program within the UIF. So inside that labor activation program, you've got TERS, for instance. You'll remember TERS. Yes. Uh, we got introduced to it um, during the time of COVID. So you've got where these fall under. It's called employability programs. So these are programs... Um, ever since the department got the mandate to create employment as well. Because if you remember, it was the Department of Labor, but now it's Labor and Employment. So when they got that new mandate, they then formed um, this wing inside the UIF that basically looks at reskilling, providing training, and basically giving people, you know, better chances to actually get employment. Yeah. Um, So within that, you've then got the LAP National Adjudicating Committee. Um, which is the committee that we are now trying to zoom into and actually look into because this is where problems begin. So LAP's budget for this financial year that will end in March 2024 was 2.8 billion rand. But for some reason, this adjudicating committee has had adjudicated well beyond 50 billion rand. Um, When LAP then brings this to the, together with the UIF commissioner, brings this to the attention of the minister, 
the minister says yes it's too high but you guys must at least try and bring it down to 30 billion the response is then that but we don't have 30 billion we only have 2.8 billion rand budgeted um he then says this money must be found this is where now you know desperation creeps in because when he says this money must be found he also then lets them know that there is a directive from the president that 2 million work opportunities must be created in the immediate the immediate being by the time that it's the financial year end um, at the end of March 2024. We are now sitting in November. Um, as of two weeks ago, uh, they had sat down with the actuaries while they were sequestered in the hotel. And the actuaries said, if the UIF is to remain a going concern, you will not access 30 billion from surplus fund, but you will only get a once off of 15 billion rand. Um, and now obviously, because of the Tuja, um, situation, a lot of officials in lab are quite nervous um, about the fact that we are now they are now going to be handed uh, 15 billion rand with which they must spend between now and next March um, in these programs that have been adjudicated. The fear, of course, is that there simply won't be enough time. Um, historically, lab has always been unable to even meet, you know, that paltry compared to 15, that 2.8 or 2.3 billion rand budget. They never managed to expand it in one financial year. Um, you know, obviously, I think because of administrative problems and yeah. again, because this committee keeps on adjudicating outside of the criteria that is set in the terms of reference. Yeah. You know, so this thing is fraught with problems. Um, and then instead of maybe looking at solving the problems first, it seems that the ministry is determined to actually put more money into it. Um, you know, and this is money that we are arguing is definitely going to be lost. And we're not making that argument uh, without any factual basis. This is also coming from people that are inside saying that this this program and this and this adjudicating committee um, is not fit for purpose. Yeah. Sabil, I'm, I'm merely asking you this question for sensationalism and dramatic effect. So please don't take it too serious. But these people were told they can't leave the hotel until they figured out how to spend this 15 billion. And the only reason they were able to leave is because a roof collapsed what the hell happened <laughs> if you remember um <laughs> about two weeks ago um there was that uh, very bad very bad weather yes um i think in midrand you know cars were you know pelted with these massive hailstones um, and it caused massive damage so it was during that time okay um where you know then the damage you know came to happen at the hotel and and one member of this committee got hurt. <laughs> yes, my yes. goodness, that's very unfortunate. So, and I think that's the only way that they got out of there. Uh, you know, yeah. because obviously, you know, there wasn't any other option but to let these people go back home. Yeah. So this fifteen billion rand is is there, but is not yet being approved for spending. That needs to come from national treasury. How much of a problem is that? for the LAP committee, uh, the LAP adjudication committee, very specifically given that National Treasury had put out, uh, you would recall earlier this year, a moratorium on all hiring and spending uh, and all monies that have not been spent yet to be returned as part of a cost uh, consolidation attempt by National Treasury because of the budget deficit uh, of 62 billion rand in the fiscus. So they can't spend this money. It would be illegal if they did. How would they adjudicate 15 billion they have not yet received approval for? 
Yes, I think, you know, this is why I'm sort of of the view that um, there was something untoward, you know, with all with all the adjudication. Um, a lot of people inside lab, well, at least some of the people inside lab were also equally concerned. But you're quite correct. Um, one of the things that is happening in the background is that there are discussions between the Department of Labor and National Treasury um, for the permission for them to get um, this 15 billion rands from the surplus funds. Uh, you know, that the UIF has, um, and these are sitting in the PIC, and then that would allow them to do this. But I have it on very good authority that, um, you know, the the National Treasury is not going to grant the request. Um, some of the people in, in administration have, you know, said as much that there's quite a lot of unhappiness, um, yeah. not only with this particular adjudication in this financial year, but also with, you know, um, when they learned the details of the Tuja transaction, um, and then they started looking more and more into, you know, labor activation program and how this money is spent. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of disquiet within National Treasury. Um, as you said, you know, the sort of tough economic times that we're living in um, and the fact that government itself um, can no longer just spend on, you know, these sort of like uh, vanity projects. Yeah, yeah. And just lastly, uh, is there any credence and credibility to Tulas Nessie's claim or at least the claim that Tulas Nessie was instructed by the president to create 2 million job opportunities before the end of the fiscus? Or has the presidency confirmed that, that the president indeed said that? And if so, seems very desperate. Um, pretend like you don't know what's happening next year. Why is the presidency desperate if that's the case? Yeah. Look, Oliver, um, we've sent questions to the presidency. I think we are now in week two, if not three. Uh, two questions, really. Did the president, you know, issue this instruction to the to, to the Minister of Labor and Employment? And was the president thinking about the very big event that we are not going to talk about next year when he gave this instruction? Uh, we've heard nothing. Yeah. Uh, we've heard nothing. Um, the Department of Labor has, you know, confirmed to us, I think even in the media statements that they've been issuing, that there was a discussion between the president and the minister. Um, I think going as far as to saying that I think the minister even signed down that he would, you know, deliver these jobs. But of course, for me, the big question is, why did they wait? I mean, the financial year began in April. Yeah. Um, and if that was the intention, why was this thing not uh, posted in a proper way during the previous budgeting so that you yeah. know that you don't begin with a budget of 2.8 billion, you begin with a budget of a budget that speaks to the work opportunities that you want to create. You know, now people are cutting corners, processes are being put aside, obviously, for some of the, you know, civil servants that have been there for a long time. Um, and, you know, given what people have seen when, um, you know, Chief Justice Zondo was actually questioning senior officials and no longer accepting this thing of, I was pressured to sign. Yeah. They now know that there might be a possibility where they might be sitting before a judge um, also being told that it's no longer an excuse for you to say that yeah. you were pressured to sign it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're going to have to leave it there. Sabila, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you so much for your work and your vigilance. It really, really is important and valuable work to our democracy. Sabilo Skiti, investigative journalist with the Sunday Times. Thank you, sir.